Welcome, beautiful people, to Growthology Podcast. I'm Lorena, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist that is very interested in the science behind all things well-being and growth. And I am Monica. I'm a working mom, a wife, currently a college student, and I'm just an everyday person who's trying to live a happy and healthy life. In our podcast, we discuss topics like personal growth, wellness, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence, and hopes to grow a community of positivity. So hello, this is our first episode that is a part of a two-episode series on intimate relationships. We just had so much we wanted to say that we ended up recording an episode that was over an hour. I don't think that anyone's attention span is that long, so we decided to make it a two-parter. But there's so much good information in here, we didn't want you to miss out on any of it. So we will go ahead with part one now. Hello, beautiful people. Today we are going to talk about intimate relationships. So we're going to go over our perceptions of relationships, healthy versus unhealthy relationships, and how to build and improve your current relationship or just relationships in general. We'll start out with how we view relationships. So when I think of relationships, I've been kind of thinking of how do we know what's healthy versus what's unhealthy. I don't think we're really taught this formally in school, uh, besides maybe some things in sex education with consent. But in Mm -hmm. terms of having healthy romantic relationships, we really only learn that maybe just from observing Mm -hmm. what we grow up around unless we have parents that tell us and teach us about that. But I think for, I want to say for for me and most of the people in my life, that has not been the case. Like sitting down and having a conversation about what a romantic relationship is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And so much of, I think, what we know just has to do with the type of upbringing we had, as well as what kind of relationships we see around us. How do our guardians interact with one another how do our aunts uncles grandparents anybody else that's older than us when we're growing up how Mm -hmm. are they managing their relationship you know I kind of wonder if it's like a cultural thing because for me we didn't really talk about relationships in like just like sit down and have a conversation talk about healthy relationship healthy intimate relationships sexual relationships like that's just like the unheard of and we're pretty much like you said just left with what we see to kind of go off of what we do yeah I definitely do think that some of it is cultural uh, but then there's also just culture from home to home mm-hmm. even within the same culture everybody's home life looks so different and no one really knows what goes on and in other people's homes Mm -hmm. really you know the reality of what it looks like day to day right yeah that's true but one of the reasons why we decided to do this topic is because this has a really big impact on our well-being if relationships is something that 
everybody has, whether it be romantic or non-romantic. For this episode, we're focusing more on these types of intimate relationships. And there's a TED Talk that I'm going to mention later on in the episode, but Brene Brown said a quote that really resonated with me. And she said, connection is why we're here. It's what gives us purpose and meaning to our lives. So that is a pretty strong statement. And To say that something is giving us purpose and meaning, it has to be important. And she also mentioned how we are neurobiologically wired to need to connect with other people. So connection and relationships is something that's really important that we should be talking about and should be exploring a little bit more and in a deeper way neurobiologically what is that word mean because you know i'm not good with big words (laughs) basically how our (laughs) mind like how our mind is wired and how we work okay that i mean that makes a lot of sense just for you know us as humans like that's how we are likely to survive is when we connect with other people when we have other people around and there's so many like social components that go with it and the relationship is one thing that's always changing I think Mm -hmm. the relationships our parents had to the relationships that we have there's such a shift in those roles and what they mean and you know they're going to continue to shift so it's so interesting I don't know I'm into that kind of stuff yeah me too I think that's why we're both here. (laughs) That's probably why we're here talking about it. Yeah. Of course, relationships are important, specifically intimate relationships. I definitely agree with the nurture versus, you know, nature. Of course, there's things that you're you're born with, those predispositions. But the nurture part for me, I feel like is the biggest like emphasis on the kind of relationship that you're going to be expected to have. Unfortunately, I was divorced at one point, but I think that it was a good lesson that I learned in a failed relationship, in a failed marriage. I don't think nobody goes into a marriage with the thought that it's not going to work out. And it's a really Mm -hmm. hard thing to accept when it doesn't work out. But in the end, I think that I found a partner that really works with me. But I also, you know, worked on myself too. If somebody's out there and you're not in a happy relationship, just know that there is a good relationship out there. Sometimes, like, it may seem really crazy, but you really have to look inside your own heart first. Yeah, that's so true. Ask yourself the questions, like, are you happy? I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that, There's no doubt that I love this person, but do I also love myself? Yeah, and I think that a lot of issues with people that they are seeking relationships for the wrong reasons. Right. They're not they're not only seeking relationships for that companionship and to have somebody, but also to fill some sort of unmet need, like uh feeling just innately alone or feeling not worthy or feeling unlovable those are some core common core beliefs that people have you know I'm not good enough and they think that finding somebody that is going to be with them and you know be a couple be in a relationship is going to make those feelings go away but it's not Mm -hmm. and that is you're just bringing I don't want to say you're bringing issues into your relationship because we all come with some sort of baggage. Mm -hmm. But those are some pretty intense feelings that if we go into a relationship like that, 
it's going to cause a problem. It's going to mm-hmm. lead to things like jealousy, insecurity, fighting, arguing. It's interesting that you say that because, of course, I was going to therapy while I was having my marriage issues. And when that relationship ended, right away, I was trying to talk to somebody else and trying to go into that next relationship. And one of the yeah. things that the therapist pointed out to me, when you go from one relationship to the next, what you're doing, it's like traveling. You're picking up your yeah. baggage from one trip and you're taking it into the next trip. And that's not necessarily fair to bring that over with you. You have to have that time to really separate. In my head, I'm just like, I don't want to be alone. I didn't think that there was deeper rooted issues going on because I was in a toxic relationship for so long. But also in my life, just going through my depression, I didn't think that there was anything wrong with me. This is just who I am. But now looking back, I realize that these are all signs that really I was scared to be alone or there were things that I didn't want to address. And it's hard when you're alone because you have to address those things. It gives you that time to really think about what is going on within myself and that time to examine our own mental and emotional process of Mm -hmm. what we're going through. Going back to what we talked about earlier, how we all come from different places and the types of relationships we have now really have a link to what we saw. Um, I really see this in, in therapy and couples therapy and group therapy. I used to run a men's anger management group and we talked a lot about relationships because many, many of these men were there because of domestic violence issues or, you know, things related to relationships. Were these court-mandated cases or just people seeking it out because yeah. their relationship wasn't working? Mostly court probation, wow. uh, but there were maybe a few sprinkled in there that were self-referred. Wow. What is their mindset? Well, a lot of them was similar, like uh, a lot of toxic masculinity and just really different ways of viewing the world and relationships and power and control struggles. Uh, But I could see that, you know, this is what these men knew and this is what they grew up around and this is what their friends and brothers and uncles, grandparents, fathers, that this is how they behaved in relationships. So this is what these men knew. And it was a lot of work to kind of change the way that they viewed relationships and what was healthy and what was not. Um, mm-hmm. And some of them were able to implement, you know, different ways of communicating or see see a different way. But, you know, I learned a lot as well from them and how, why they, they got to the to the place that they were. Yeah. What would you define as toxic masculinity? It's basically just the way that our society or society in general expects of men to act a different way. So, you know, the phrase be a man, act like a man, or not showing any sort of vulnerability or feelings. It's basically a a toxic way to view how men quote unquote, should behave. Uh, mm-hmm. That causes a lot of issues because then this is the reason why men tend to be more physically aggressive because they're not like allowed to express themselves emotionally or talk about their feelings because 
they're not taught to or it's not looked at as an okay thing for them to do. For sure, for a male to express his emotions is more taboo or that could be seen as weak Mm -hmm. rather than something that is healthy or positive. Yeah, I definitely think that there are some bad things culturally that are, are still going on and are still out there even today which is crazy. So everyone's norm is different. And what's normal for one person might be completely outrageous to the next. And growing up, we're taught things like, oh, if a boy is teasing you, it's because he likes you. So we're already being taught from a young age that that someone who hurts you is because they love you. Isn't that a form of normalizing abuse? Yeah. Or normalizing unhealthy relationships? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So one of the audiobooks I really liked is that he's not that into you. I think a lot of people probably seen the movie. Yeah. The book is like 10 times better. I love that book. Not gonna lie. I didn't know that was a book. You did it? No, I thought it was just a movie. It's such a good book. It's so funny. It just literally makes you laugh at yourself for all the dumb shit that you've accepted in relationships. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, if he doesn't text you, he's not that into you and just move on because there's plenty of people out there that are going to adore you. That's one of my favorite books. And that's one of the things that they talked about is how we're taught that they're teasing you. It's because they like you. And I remember that there was this boy that spit on me and I cried as a kid. I like had to have been in elementary school and that's exactly what my mom said. And I'm just like, oh, okay, that's normal. Yeah. And now I'm just like, what in the world? Yeah, like why are you teaching <laughs> me this? Who comes up with that? <laughs> yeah, who makes these rules? Also like Disney movies? Come on, you need a Prince Charming. Oh, that reminds me of the song that's popular right now. I'm mad at Disney, Disney. They tricked me, tricked me. Had me wishing <laughs> on a shooting star. What? What, what song is that? Are you serious? Are you not on TikTok? No. <laughs> uh, well, it's really popular on TikTok. They're always playing it. But it basically talks about how Disney tricked us. Yes, they did. <laughs> I feel like they ingrained that into your mind. But I mean, most of those Disney movies were developed in like the 50s. It's just like teaching you what your role was, your domestic role was. Yeah. Those are annoying. I just watched Frozen. I love that movie. I just watched it with Lily this last weekend. And I'm like, this is it. Why would you want to marry someone you just met? That makes zero sense. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And another thing that comes up a lot is people saying that we hurt the ones that we love, which has Mm. I feel like has kind of normalized it, which is clearly not healthy. But in my perception, it seems like it's because we know that these are the people that are going to stick around or we think that they're Mm going to stick around, but sometimes they get sick of our crap, you know? And also, I feel like besides not being taught what a healthy relationship is, what it entails and how to get there, do we know what to do on a day to day basis to create these healthy relationships? You know, I think most of us can kind of say communication and listening and things like that. But are we actively working towards it in our own lives? Mm -hmm. When we say, you know, I want to have a healthy relationship, I want to find somebody that I feel comfortable with. Well, what does that mean? And what are you doing to try to get there? Right. I've learned 
from a TEDx talk, she talks about how having healthy relationships really has to start from a young age, not just when we Mm -hmm. become adults and begin to have these relationships. Like she said that it's too late because we've already picked a partner and we didn't really know what we were looking for or what we really need. And then also some people start going to couples therapy when it's too late because they're already so used to the way that they're doing things. It makes it sometimes so hard and sometimes even impossible for that couple to really change the way that they're communicating or doing things. I think that a lot of people think in general, and and I say a lot of people, probably me in my first marriage, is that once you're married, that your relationship maintains itself mm-hmm. and that it just works out and that you've already accepted each other or whatever. But I mean, it's like a continuous work in every area, in every area of communication on, like you said, the day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just how are we talking on the days that things are going good, how are we talking on the days that we're fighting and the days that things are going bad? Mm-hmm. Because if we're not executing healthy ways of communication or whatever, then it's like, okay, you're good 70% of the time, but that 30%, you're toxic. Right. So even though you're not fighting that much, you're probably just avoiding the argument you need to have, which I think a lot of people do too. Yeah. We talk about predisposition a lot. Just because you have an upbringing, it wasn't a healthy relationship. Speaking to the people that maybe had had like trauma in the past mm-hmm. or maybe have had, um, you know, parents that are divorced or parents that don't get along, that doesn't mean that you're doomed. You have to be aware of these things and then really understand yourself and then also understand what you want in a relationship, what is going to require more effort or more work. Um, Seeing parents and, you know, my dad had a lot of anxiety, Mm -hmm. seeing him not react and do that in a positive manner showed me to have that same reaction. But it's like, you can know those things and put in that effort to be different or to be better. And I think we do that already. Yeah. We, we say my, our parents didn't do this for us. Mm-hmm. I want to do this for my kids. That's already starting it in in that same progressive mindset. But you have to go deeper than that, too. Right. And it, it kind of shows that in our society today how clueless uh, a lot of us are. Uh, when we're not working towards having these healthy relationships. And in in the TED Talk that I mentioned, she says that every 13 seconds, a couple in the U.S. is breaking up. Now, I'm like, how the heck did they find this out? Like, how do they know that every 13? (laughs) I thought that was really weird, but uh, I mean, that's what they said. I don't know how they got there, but that's pretty crazy. It's crazy. I don't know. I kind of see it as a positive thing because I'm just thinking these people aren't going to work out anyways. So they're just at their time. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a like, I don't know if it's breaking up or, or divorcing because those are two different things. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, there goes another one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 13 seconds went by. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whoop, there's another one. <laughs> So now we're going to focus on what is a healthy relationship? What does it entail? So like I said, I think most of us know what it entails. So most people would agree that it's intimacy, respect for one another, good, clear communication, trust in one another, feeling security like the other person is 
is reliable and you could rely on them to be there for you, counting on one another, fairness, whether it be fairness with responsibilities or fairness with uh, what is allowed and what terms the couple agrees on, respecting one another, time alone and the continuity of being an individual and still doing things on your own and, you know, the couple feeling comfortable doing that. Those are things that I think we probably all know. Have you done couple therapy? Have you been the medi is a a mediator? Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite types of therapies to do. Really? Yeah. No, but yeah, I love doing couples therapy because um, there's so many just like aha moments and light bulb moments for people. And it's just nice seeing people just get to a point where they can understand one another and see where the other one is coming from. And usually... I want to say for the most part, things that are able to be worked on, even when there's infidelity, Mm -hmm. I've seen many people still be able to get to a place where they can be together. But at the same time, couples therapy is also a good place to go to see like, is this worth it? Is this what I really want? Do I really want to work on things? Or are we just Mm -hmm. kind of going in circles at this point? And I really don't think that things are going to change. When somebody goes in for couples therapy, if somebody hasn't done it, what like, what does that look like? What does that first session kind of look like? Well, most of the times that I've done couples therapy has been with somebody that um, both people are new to me. So I usually like to meet with them individually first and get mm-hmm. a sense of their goals, what they think that needs to be worked on in the relationship, what what they're open to working on, because that's important. Um, sometimes people's goals do not match. And if the, they're not willing to give and not just take, um, then I basically say, you know, this isn't going to work if you're not willing to work. You know, if you're just going to say, you know, this is the way I am and I'm not changing and your partner Mm -hmm. is saying these are the things that I want and these are the things that I need from you, there's no sense uh, in in being there. So I'm pretty blunt Mm -hmm. and open with people. um, And I say, you know, I don't want to waste your time. I mm-hmm. want this to be a productive uh, session. And if, if somebody's already saying that they're not willing to put in the work, then I basically say, well, then what are we doing here? Just like showing up doesn't mean that they're ready to put in the relationship. Oh, no, no, no. A lot of the times in my experience, it's been somebody is begging the other person to go in for a session. And then the mm-hmm. person is just like, fine, I'm here. What else do you want? Mm. And, you know, that attitude that they come in with. Yeah, but once I meet with them individually, then, you know, I meet with them together depending on how their individual sessions went. And then I just kind of, I facilitate a conversation. Uh, So it's uh, most of the time I'm doing the least talking. It's usually, you know, the couple really opening up with one another. And I'm just kind of leading them in a way that, they could start to learn how to communicate better and tell each other what their needs are and, you know, explaining why the f- they feel the way they feel and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Do they ever, like, argue in front of you? <laughs> oh, yeah, all the time. No, but it's a good thing because when they argue, things come out mm-hmm. that need to come out. And, you know, I'm there to kind of say, like, you know, this person said this, do you agree? Where? What's your perspective? Because sometimes when, when we argue, 
we argue mm-hmm. and things don't get resolved. So the point of going to couples therapy is that you can argue in there. That's fine. That's healthy. But how can you learn how to do it in a healthy way and in a way that there's going to be actual resolution from the argument? That's what's important is to, for the argument to actually get somewhere, not just stay in an argument. During like if having another person there just kind of changes the conversation in general, because if you're alone with somebody, then that's like when you can really like get mean and ugly with that person but if there's a third person there are you typically more well behaved they would say probably sometimes but people have still gotten disrespectful with one another or you know really told each other how they feel you'd be surprised at how comfortable people get in (laughs) in a session (laughs) yeah Wow. But that's why that's why it's important for people to feel comfortable with their therapist so that they feel like they could be themselves while they're there. Because if they have their walls up, then things are going to be left unsaid and unresolved. What is like a healthy sexual relationship? Because I got to ask. I'm sure everybody's wondering. Well, I would say first of all, respect and Always have it be consensual uh, communication. Talk about what what you like, what you don't like, what you feel comfortable with, what you don't feel comfortable with. Um, in terms of like how often, you know, that's uh, that's something that is completely up to the couple. I would just say the, you know, those are the most important things of when I think of something that's healthy is that there's communication, there's respect. Uh, you respect each other's boundaries um, mm-hmm. and, you know, always consensual. It's not something that anybody should be um, coerced or feeling made bad about or, you know, if or used as like a punishment of not having it because of, of this A, B or C. I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> <laughs> I meant punishment as in like not having <laughs> sex if if you're upset at the person. Oh, like withdrawing. Not like, more like like you're already resolved the problem, but mm-hmm. you're going to say like, "Oh, I'm not having sex with you because of what you did." <laughs> I'm just like, do people do that? <laughs> yeah, people do that. So just going more on what is healthy, uh, some important things to ask yourself is, do you trust the person? Do you respect one another? Do you support one another? Like I said, individual identity is still really important. Are you able to talk openly about one another's feelings? Uh, Is there affection, equality, listening to one another? building each other up, not tearing each other down. Can you think of anything else that you would say is a characteristic of a positive uh, relationship? I mean, everything that you're saying, a thousand percent, I agree. I really liked how you said individual identity, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times in relationships, like, and everybody knows them. It's that person that gets into your relationship and you don't see them anymore. Yeah. Their relationship is like their, their life. Yeah, their entire life. Yeah, that's not healthy. I think that's kind of one thing that I learned is there has to be things that I just like to do by myself, yeah. not with anybody else. And like having that alone time is really important and allowing your partner to have that time to focus on themselves or their goals or. Yeah, even. 
just time apart is healthy and i think some people might have the perception like oh if you don't want to be with them 24 7 then you guys must not love each other as much as we love each other and it, it has nothing to do with love it's just you are a union in a relationship you don't become one i think that's like one of my pet mm-hmm. peeves when it's like my you're my other half like no i'm a whole i'm a whole person i'm not a half mm-hmm. <laughs> we can be two holes together but right yeah <laughs> you're not like you're not completing me yeah exactly i don't think that's a very healthy mindset i agree you have to like you said be a whole person without that other person mm-hmm. and not need the other person at all times because because then it's just yeah. like a crutch really for yourself yeah definitely too too dependent so one of the TED Talks that I keep talking about that I'm going to continue talking about, <laughs> her name is Joanne Davila. She's a psychologist and researcher, and her TED Talk focuses on how we can create the things that lead to these healthy relationships. So how do we get there? We know what it looks like, but how do we get to that point of having it and how to reduce the things that lead to the unhealthy ones? Uh, and she uses three evidence-based skills. Number one is insight, number two is mutuality, and number three is emotional regulation. So insight is basically just a a fancy way of saying being aware, understanding, being open to understanding one another, and being open to learning. So having a better idea of who you are and what you need and why we need those things and what we need when we're stressed so that we don't take it out on our partner. And insight also helps understand our partner better because we can be more insightful about where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. The second one, mutuality, is knowing that both people have different needs and those needs matter. So being able to communicate with one another in a clear way so that you both understand each other and just being willing and open to not only communicate your needs, but also meet the needs of your partner. Uh, And then the third one, emotional regulation, which we've talked about this before. We've called it uh, emotional intelligence. And that's just also another fancy way to say uh, our ability to regulate our feelings and response to stressors in life or just uh, in our relationship. So being able to stay calm and relaxed when things come up and keeping things uh, more on the rational side rather than the emotional side. Have you heard of a book called The Five Love Languages? Yeah, I love that book. So if anybody doesn't know what that is, so basically it's the concept of everybody has a different love language that they respond to better than others. So there's one that's like financial, it's like money and gifts. Um, Another one is like physical affection. I'm totally spacing on the other one, like personal time. I looked it up. Oh, wow. (laughs) Because I knew I would forget to. So it's words of affirmation, Mm -hmm. uh, gifts, acts of service, quality time, and physical touch. Right. So it's like 
I might have a specific one that I respond to and somebody else might have one that they respond to. But let's say my my love language is gifts, right? And I'm trying to then show love to my partner by giving them gifts. But their love language could be affection. Um, mm-hmm. I'm giving them what I perceive as love in that form but they're not receiving it on their end because to them, it, that, that is not one thing that speaks to them. Right. It's no big deal. Right. So you have to understand that other person and kind of like, what is their love language? What do they like? And go with that route because you, if you put out messages and nobody's receiving it, then it's not going anywhere. In a way, it's a wasted effort. Uh, but if you do it in the form that they can receive it and that they will accept it and appreciate it, then you're more likely to get a result rather than, you know, keep chasing something that's not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually use that in couples therapy a lot. So I have the couples take the quiz and then ex- basically explain what you just said. Um, and that's a, a good one to just recommend for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um just it's it's a good a really good thing to know yeah and then there's also a version of this book that has to do with the workplace setting so for professionalism and how to adapt those same kinds of things because that's still like people like awards words of affirmation recognition like it's the same concept in the workplace relationships too Thank you for listening to part one of our two-part series on healthy, intimate relationships. We had so much good information we wanted to cover on this topic that we couldn't fit it all into one 40-minute episode. So please stay tuned for the continuation so you can learn ways to improve your current relationship, to have healthy relationships, and overall just to be happy in your current relationship. So make sure that you come back and listen to part two. And thank you for listening today.